Welcome to No Compromise Radio Ministry. My name is Mike Abendroth. And out of the 3,700 shows that I've done, this is the show I've been always waiting for. <laughs> you can write me, Mike, at NoCompromiseRadio.com. Don't forget, uh, I'll be in Omaha for the Pactum Conference with Pat Abendroth in October, and then I'll head down to Tennessee, Kingsport, Tennessee, for a Deeply Rooted Conference. You can find out information on that, DeeplyRootedPodcast.com. Now, over the years, I've had lots of guests uh, over the radio waves, phone lines, and sometimes we have guests in studio. So I've got my friend sitting right next to me, and he was walking out to his car. Right now, it happens to be a convertible Stingray. I don't know what year. What year is that? 1970. 1970. And I, I thought, hey, wait, I need to have John on the radio. And so, John Makarowski, welcome to No Compromise Radio Ministry. All right, thank you. Glad to be here. Hey, have you ever been on the radio before? I don't believe I have. All right. But, uh, yeah. So, John, how do we how do we meet? We, um, well, you, we met here at uh, <laughs> Bethlehem right. Bible Church. Uh, <laughs> you were the pastor uh, some, oh, I want to say, eighteen years ago. I That's think. a long time. Yeah. Have yeah. we ever gotten any fights or anything? Um, not that I could think of. No. <laughs> I, think of I mean, there was that piece of bread that the, the last piece of bread at dinner uh, the other night, but. <laughs> I just shot you a look. That's I, that's all I. I'm telling that's you, about and, as and we went out. As, we went out as couples, and I, I don't know if I've seen you as happy before because that was some pretty good Italian food in downtown Worcester. Food is my, uh, it's my hobby. It's uh, it, it's something that I. It, I Every everything that everything that I do and everywhere I go and anything that any there's there's always a meal involved. There always has to be. I oh, think. All right, perfect. Yeah. Well, I know you're a plumber by day, sometimes by night too, if there's an emergency. And it was years ago, John, that you were teaching some of the young boys that we had some kind of a boys, you know, man up kind of deal or something, and we had a, a little university, and you called it PU. Plumbing University. Plumbing University. And to this day, I personally remember the two key things about plumbing. And if you understand these two things, this is what you told the kids, you'll understand plumbing. And you said gravity and displacement. Yeah. And I remember that. Yeah. Why are those two things so important? Well, what I was trying to stress was that these are, th- these are two things that make plumbing work. It's, that's what makes it all work. Um, without gravity and displacement, we don't. And when I, uh, yeah, it's it. It all comes down to those two key things. You don't have to understand gravity, and you don't have to understand displacement. But those are the things that make it work. And God gave us those two things. God gave us gravity, and He gave us displacement. We don't have to add it. We don't have to create it. We don't have to engineer it. It's there for us. And because it's there, plumbing will work. All right. Well, I, I love that. John, over the years, we've talked a lot about, I guess, probably plumbing, uh, food, uh, shaving our backs. Correct. All yeah. I'm overdue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm overdue. 
But the reason why I'm having you in the studio today, and I, I thought I better get this done fast because you are leaving. Your wife, Patty, is our secretary. I'm going to hate to lose her because she's such a, a diligent servant behind the scenes. But we have something in common, of course, the Lord in common, the church in common. You're a deacon here, so we serve together. But we both have had and or we do have cancer, right? Yes. I don't know that if you, I I don't know, once you have it, you have it. It's kind of like being a Marine. Once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. You never really, is that? Semper Fi. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. John, I don't know. You probably, it's okay. I know you probably don't listen to the show, uh, but I have certain things that I, I can play here anytime I want, right? So, like, watch this. Oh, I would imagine that you would have that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I have other other fun ones that you, you probably know. That was fun. I see dead people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So you're living your life. Maybe you're not feeling too good. You don't strike me as the kind of guy who goes to the doctor every six months for checkups. No, not at all. What happened? Well, I hadn't been to the doctor in probably... Well, you know what? Okay. It isn't that I hadn't... Been... There was a period in my life that I probably hadn't been to the doctor in probably 15 plus, at least, 15 years. And um, I was having difficulty... Um, I thought I had a bladder, uh, a um, uh, infection, a uh, well, what a yeah, UTI. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I thought I had a UTI, and gravity which, and displacement right, wasn't yeah. working. No, well, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was painful, and and I probably would not have gone to the doctor because I was thinking that ah, it'll just work itself out, but. It was just before I had a planned trip to Ireland. I was going to Ireland with a group of guys here from Worcester, and I thought, I'm going to be out of the country, and if this turns worse, uh, I'm going to really be in trouble. So I better, cl- I better check this out before I go. And that was probably the only reason why I went to the doctor. And I didn't go to see my doctor. I just went to the Minute clinic because I thought you know what they'll give me a you know some kind of a uh, antibiotic or something like that clear it up and I'll be fine out and I'll get on the plane and I'll enjoy my week in Ireland and because uh, I thought you know if there's any place that I'm gonna need to be able to urinate freely it's gonna be there uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that's why I went and so they gave me some uh, antibiotics. And I went to and I went to the trip, and you know what? I felt a little better. And when I got back, I came to uh, uh, to see my uh, my regular uh, physician and explained what had happened, and um, said, you know, I didn't, I don't really feel much better. And he said, you know, sometimes. Uh, Urinary tract infections for men can be a little di- more difficult to cure, so we're going to give you another round. And I, but you know what? By the fourth round of antibiotics, he said, "Ah, uh, well, let's look for something else." I think I, it would should be cleared up by now. And so that's when we he sent me to a urologist, and they started doing some um, some further testing. And I know and I know what they were looking for. 
nobody wanted to say anything, but uh, you know, that's that was kind of the direction. When they first said to you, you have bladder cancer? Yes. What went through your mind? Well, okay. I had, let me see. I, I'm trying to think. It was this was 2019, so back then, so that was uh, four years ago. So I was about, like, I was like 51, I think. And a a guy that I used to work for, who I was five years older, I'm five years older than him, and uh, he, we had several conversations about getting through your 40s, and he said, I don't remember his first. He said. Most people, if they, most guys, if they can get through their 40s without any serious health issues, you're good. Yeah, you're good to your 80s. Yeah, 80, 90. Yeah, yeah, you're all set. It's like stuff serious sometimes shows up in your 40s. And I remember thinking, I got through my 40s. And I was now, you know, <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> I got through my 40s. <laughs> Now, when I was told I had cancer the first time, I think every day I woke up, maybe for a year, the first thought that went through my mind was, I have cancer. Yeah. That, Did every you go day. through that? Every day. Yeah. Every day. Okay. You know, I, 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 um, I describe it this way. If you're wearing a baseball cap and you, um, if, and I, if you're wearing a baseball cap, you, the visor of that cap is kind of over you at all times. You're not really staring at it. Matter of fact, you don't stare at it. You can't even really focus on it. But it's sort of there, and you can always see it in your peripheral. That was cancer. That is cancer. It's always there. It's not like I'm consciously staring at it, thinking about it, talking about it. It's all. It's right there in my peripheral at all times. Now, John, I don't know if it's happened to you or not, but when... I got cancer the first time, prostate cancer, in diagnosed in 2015. I remember the text. It says in 2 Corinthians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And so I got cancer and, you know, had to work through all that. And then I thought, well, the Lord's bringing it, you know, bringing me through this for a reason. I mean, we were friends before that, but then something happened where you knew I was in the club. Now you're in the club. Right. That is the cancer club. And there's kind of that thing, maybe spoken or unspoken, even between people. And I think the Lord used that in my life to even help me get closer to you as a pastor and a deacon. Do you think that's true? Absolutely, yeah. Have you met other people with cancer that maybe even unbelievers on the job that you've been able to try to help or encourage? Yes. And you know what? Even even many of the people, there are, there are other people here in the congregation that um, I wasn't necessarily close to or had a really, but it's, this brings us together. Right, absolutely. And all of a sudden... We've got uh, we got something to talk about, and not like you know. It's one thing if you uh, you know if you if you're into fishing or you play golf, and you know. But this is something that um, almost really transcends any other any kind of hobby or any any. It's 
you have a deep understanding of life and death, I think, that um, a lot of other people can't appreciate. Yeah, you know, that, I think we all know that we're going to die someday, but uh, this is it totally changes you. Mike Abendroth with John Makarowski today on No Compromise Radio. John, I know there's some positive things that have come from this, and we can talk about that here in a little bit. But you don't have to divulge as, as much as you've divulged to me privately, but here's my take and my angle. We live in a Christian world where everything has to be good all the time and up all the time and joyful all the time and victorious Christian living. And we're always riding high on the spiritual hog, as it were. But the reality of the Christian life is, and even Paul in Romans chapter 7, we don't always do what we want to do. And I, I just want you to speak a little bit, John, to people who have cancer, who have a loved one who has cancer, and they feel somehow they've let the Lord down because they haven't always lived righteously with that diagnosis. Does that make sense? That there's struggle and real, sometimes anxiety and questioning about things, questioning, you know, we hate to say it out loud, God, are you really good? Those kind of things. How has the Lord brought you through that? I never, I was never angry with God about it. I was never angry about it. So I, I didn't have that anger. Um, I made peace with it fairly quickly. Um, I did really uh, look at my life and, and think, well, I guess this is it. You know, there there actually, I have actually had several um close um i've had several workplace accidents and uh some different things that have happened to me oh, that oh, oh by, by the way i'm gonna interrupt yeah, you right be, be, i mean the the tree fell on your head Correct. in the car basically you're right. one inch from dying yeah so i've had several instances near death experiences uh, or things that, so i thought this is the one this is it. You know, I've, I've had many, I've had a tree fall on me. I've nearly drowned. I've fallen off of a, a roof. Um, almost had a cave in, in a, in a uh, trench. This, I thought, this is it. Um, I've been in uh, car accidents. And I thought, well, this is the one that's going to get me, I guess. Now I know. And, I mean, a lot of times I think we... Maybe I, I mean I don't want to say fantasize, but I think oftentimes we'll we'll kind of think, how will I die or when or, or where? and I thought, well, this is it. Now I know. <laughs> I got the answer. <laughs> As you were talking, and, the, the the common denominator of all the near death experiences that we've had, they're just near death. They're not. Yes, death. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, I'm not trying to spill your dirty laundry. But there are times when our children, when they're little, they disobey, and we still love them and try to help them. And there's times when we disobey, and we don't respond correctly to some kind of trial, and the Lord's still faithful, and the Lord still sees us through. That's my point. Yeah. I want to say the hardest, well, I don't know if you want to, I don't know if I want to skip ahead, but... You can say whatever you want. I, you know, going through... All of the treatments, there were there was a point, okay, because I did go through, um, I have had surgeries, I've had um, uh, chemotherapy, radiation, 
uh, immunotherapy. I think that I think they've thrown at me just about everything that they had, and I part of it is because uh, I'm young enough and healthy enough that they felt as though I could handle it. You take it, and so. But there was a point, especially during um, chemotherapy. Now this was the this was the chemotherapy that they give you that you lose your hair and you and so there was the the serious stuff. Um, and I remember after the third cycle, I thought, now I know why people just decide they can't take it anymore and they're just going to just end it. Um, I don't want to do, you know, and it was a point where I, I I remember when I, um, first spoke with the, with the oncologist about what his plans were about what we're going to do. And so he said, we're going to do with, we're going to start with three or four cycles of, uh, of um, chemotherapy, and when I got to number three, and he said, "I think we're going to do six. At that point, I near I went. I remember driving home, and I remember thinking, "Yeah, I can't do it. I, I, I can't do it. Um, I'm, I, I was so close to feeling like just saying, just forget it." You know, it's not worth it. Right. I, I'm, I'm done. I, I, you know, and I, I hear, I've heard of other people saying, I can't take it anymore. So just, you know what, I, I can't, uh, no more treatments. Um, and I was at that point. And I, and I somehow, somewhere, I, and I, I don't, I, I kind of blocked a lot of this out. But I really, it's like I had to just like get, uh, get a, a grip and be like, okay, you know what, I can, I can do this. I can do this. I'm wondering, John, if they tell you on purpose, we're going to do three rounds, and then later they say six, because otherwise if they said six up front, maybe it's too much to bear. You know, I sailed through one or two. You know, at the first, I was like, you know, a week later, and I thought, well, I thought they said I was going to be like, you know, you know, throw it up and, and couldn't eat, and whenever I thought, ah, I'm pretty good. I, I went to work. You know, I, I had a treatment on, you know, on a, Thursday and Friday, and I went to work on Monday. I thought, well, I should be fine. (laughs) Uh, But that didn't last. Yeah. Well, you made it through. Yeah. Tell me a little bit now about how you're different. You can give me some spiritual answers if you want, uh, marital answers, relationship answers. I mean, one of the ways, I I think you're kinder. Uh, I think... Uh, even when I'm preaching, I look over at you, and I think sermons are more important to you now to hear the truth. I talk to you once in a while, and the old John, I'd never see maybe some glistening in your eye or a tear. How, how are you different? Uh, I, well, first of all, knowing that I, when, when the treatments were over, and... It had been going on. I had various things for probably three years. When I, we had my last transfusion uh, or um, I, would, I think infusion, yeah. infusion, yeah. yeah. Um, at that point, I I kind of fell apart emotionally or psychologically, and I could describe it this way: if you. So your family was in bed at night, and there a fire broke out in your house, and you, as the father, had to 
wake up your wife, wake up your kids, get them all out, grab the dog, get everybody outside into safety. And you kept your head and you moved around and you were able to negotiate through the smoke and the lights out and the, and the confusion and the chaos and get everything. And you kept your head and you like did exactly, you like perfectly executed getting out. You didn't miss anything. And you got outside and then you, you're standing in the front lawn and you're looking at your house burn up and then you break down in tears. Right. Yeah. And that's what really happened to me after I was all done with my treatments. I fell apart. And I'm very good at uh, keeping it all in, but not a lot of people really understood, I think, what I was going through psychologically. And what I was feeling was, okay, I did all this to save my life, and this is my life? Maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I should have just checked out. It's like I felt like it's not worth it. My life isn't that great. Um, Why did I go through all this? For what? I still got to get up and go to work every day. My body hurts. Work's terrible. You know what I mean? Not terrible, but I mean... Right. Work is, I mean, all these things. I, the bills are still mounting. I mean, I still have, you know, I mean, it's like all, you know, the car still has to be fixed. The snow still has to, has to be, I mean, everything. It's like all these things that you don't think of that are, they, you, know, you go through it, you get, oh, you get your thing. Now I'm like, I was so close to not having to do, I was so close to being forever in paradise. And now I'm back to getting up and going to work every day and paying the bills. What am I nuts? And that, and you, we can joke about that now, and I, and I can, I can laugh about that now. But I had a profound, I was profoundly depressed, and thought that I, maybe I, maybe I really should just kill myself. Hmm. So there, I've said it. You said it. I did. Well, yeah, I, 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 you didn't have to say it. <laughs> I knew it, but you but didn't it was have to there. say it. But it was there. Yeah. Well, the Lord protected you, of course. And yeah. one of the things I want our listeners to get out of this is even when we're thinking sinful thoughts and unfaithful thoughts and things that we ought not to think about, the Lord's still faithful, right? The Lord's still, there may be chastening hand, but I want to run away from this Christianity that's really fake, that we're always on the top of our game and everybody's happy. You know, how are you? Fine. But we're not really fine all the time. And that's why at this particular church, and I know you noticed the change over the years, we're going to talk about the Lord Jesus here because we fail and falter and ebb and flow. That's why Christ needs to be proclaimed. And it's okay for us to say with honesty, I really failed in this area, but God kept me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mike Abenroth here with John Makarowski. What were we going to say? You're just going to say something? No, I just, I I feel as though... um, I was, uh, if, I, if I had to say, well, where was I at my, I was, at, I was like, at the one, at the same time, my strongest and weakest. I was going through a trial that probably most people, you know, would really be, um, would fall apart. 
And I think most people who know me or were close to me would would say he I I just was that my strength and my poise and my stature uh, through it all was admirable. But at the same time, I was at my lowest. Um, and I can only attribute that to the power of God because uh, there's no way that I could have uh, maintained, uh, you know, what I had to do and not be a wreck and not take it out on everybody and not be angry and not just really be, uh, you know, not become an alcoholic or whatever. Well, John, what you're saying to me as I process this through my own life and also through Scripture We have times in front of other people where we're strong and we do the right thing. And I think that's part of the grace of God because we want to love. You want to love Patty. You want to love your children and not fall apart for their sake, right? So that's that vestige of, I want to do the right thing for them because it honors the Lord and I want to do the right thing for them. But privately, that's what happened to me when I first got prostate cancer in front of you guys in the church, buttoned down, squared up. Here's what we're going to do forward uh, with the children, sit down, read the Bible. Here's what's going to happen to daddy. And then by myself sitting there at night in my basement, I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? And similarly now with this new different cancer, oh, I send the emails out to the church and here's what's going on and here's what we're going to do. And privately, sometimes I'm thinking, I'm afraid, right? I'm anxious. Uh, And so what you're saying, I can completely identify with. I I thought I got my cancer over, by the way. I I didn't think I had to get another one. (laughs) And then they said they found a something on my thyroid. I have to have a biopsy uh, next week. And I thought, if they say that I have thyroid cancer, that's like three cancers in five years. This is this is a, I've had enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, even there, I, say, I I don't say oh we failed in all these areas. I think well still you have enough sense to say I need to love my wife and I need to be strong for her or the children or something like that. So. I think that that uh, was a major part of it because I I felt as though that I that I had to uh, do it for them. I, if my one of the things that I said uh, several times through this was I have to set the tone for this because if I fall apart, everybody falls apart. If if I uh, you know, if if I'm a basket case, my wife's gonna be a basket case. My kids are gonna be everybody. It, it's gonna it's the whole my everyone around me is gonna fall apart. So I thought I have to maintain uh, this for everybody else. You know, and, and even if I die, um, you know, it's gonna yeah they'll they'll have to you know obviously it would be a, you know it would be a problem. But I thought as long as I have strength. In my body, I have to, um, you know, I have to um, love your wife. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. I have to do it. So yesterday, I talked to the doctor at Dana Farber, and they were giving me all the leukemia updates and everything else. And then they said, "My, I've got an aneurysm in my aorta. I got that thyroid thing. Blah blah blah." <laughs> and so I'm sitting right here listening to all that. And so I had about an hour and a half before Kim got home. Before I went home. So I kind of processed it all and, you know, freaked out here (laughs) for 90 minutes. So then when I walked home, I was kind of mentally on top of it because I walk into the kitchen to a crying wife. And there I could say, you know what? 
I kind of want to break down again too, but I just held her. The Lord's faithful. I love you. You know, I'm gonna, we're going to get through this, you know, and all those kind of things. So it's, I, I did this exact same thing. I'm thinking, and my, when my kids call, what am I going to do? Whoa, <laughs> no, I have to think, well, yeah, I don't, I mean, Luke and I, we talked on the phone today, my son, we had a good cry, right? He was telling me all his stuff at seminary and his new wife and everything else. And I said, well, if I die and I'll be in heaven, I won't miss any of this stuff. Uh, but my mind now thinking, well, if you die, I'm going to miss you telling me all these fun things about what happened to you and your life and your children and everything else. And then he starts crying. I start crying. And I think, okay, well, that makes me thankful that the Lord Jesus was a true human because you know, he it was even weeping at the death of his friend Lazarus. So, all right, we're 28 minutes in, John. I told you it would be about 25 minutes. Anything else you want to say to the worldwide audience? Hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> Any words of encouragement for people going through cancer or trials or anything like that? Whatever you want to say. Um. <laughs> While you're thinking, okay. are you clear now? Yes. Yep. Okay. And what what do you have to do? Every six months you go in? Every year you uh, have to go I'm, in? I have been going uh, every three months. They then stretch it to four. And this is the first time now that they've uh, said I can come back in six months. That is great. Yeah. That's the direction. Yeah. What if yeah. somebody calls in and they say, well, it's easy for John to say he's on the other side of it. I just don't know if I can make it through. What do you tell them? Well, I, I uh, you know, it's, if you could picture yourself, the, you're going to go whitewater rafting, okay? <laughs> and you're at the top. And you, and you're in, and you go through the fall. You go through the rapids, and you're it's it's kind of crazy. You're just you're just paddling and it's left and right and this and that, and trying not to tip over. And the paddles don't even work really. Yeah, you're just doing you're that just, to do you're it. Just, you're just frantic. Okay, you're just doing whatever you got to do so you don't tip over. And you get through the rapids, and you're back to and and, and now you're asking me, how'd you do it? Oh, I'm like, I don't know. I just. I, I made it. I, I, I don't know. I can't. It. There's no formula. There's, I can't say, okay, two strokes on the left, one on the right, then two on the right, one on the left with the paddle. You know, you got you to gotta kind of bend, bend forward a little bit, put your back. Yeah, no, I, I don't have a, uh, uh, I don't have, uh, I, I don't have an answer for that. I, I, I could say, I'll, you know, I, I believe that, I believe in the sovereignty of God, Okay. But I also believe in personal responsibility. And there's these two parallel lines. We have to, and I don't have to understand how it works. I just know that God is sovereign and he is going to do everything and he does everything. It's not like somehow, somewhere he's going to step in and assume responsibility. He's always doing everything. But I still have to act. So the paddling may or may not be doing any good on my part, but I still got to grab that paddle. So just grab the paddle and paddle. Okay. Make it look like you're doing something. But you got to do something. You get, you have to. So you have to act like it's your, that it's on you, but know that it's not. I was reading an Augustine quote the other day, and he said something very similar. So 
Good job. Okay. I didn't know if you were going to flail into a godless answer, uh, but you rescued it, John, with the sovereignty of God. Oh, that was Way a close to go. one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I learned that one of the first Bible verses I ever memorized, maybe it's the one that comes back to my mind more than anything else, Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's like an Awana verse, but it's really true. We can trust the Lord. John Makarowski, thanks for being on No Compromise Radio today. I literally was talking to you at Patty's office, your wife's office, and you walked out to your car and I said, hey, John, what are you doing the next 25? You got 25 minutes? And you looked at me like, oh, now what? And you didn't look I at thought you wanted me to carry some boxes upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, how about being on No Compromise Radio? Oh, one of the reasons I wanted you on is to talk about this, but you're leaving, you're moving to Arizona soon. And uh, where, are you, where are you headed? Well, I'm going to Sedona. Sedona, Sedona Arizona. All right. Well, what are you going to do with all those crystals there and all that kind of uh, stuff? No crystals. No. No. <laughs> no not crystal. crystals. No. No, I'm going to plumb up. I'm going to plumb down there as well. As well. Well, gravity works there, and yeah. so does displacement. But I got to. I got to. But see, we talked about this earlier. The food there is excellent. Okay. There's a lot of great restaurants there. I've been. Well, I haven't even scratched the surface. So, John, thanks for being on the radio show. I appreciate you and your ministry. Thank you. 